I've entitled our discussion or the lesson for this morning, The Love of God. The Love of God. You know, when we read John 3 verse 16, John 3 verse 16, it's a very popular text that all my children, my youngest being a daughter, she can also recite it. But it's a verse that sometimes we don't do justice. We don't really understand what it means. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For our discussion this morning, I want us to reflect that portion of scripture, but going deeper, analyzing scripture in text so that we can understand what it means when the Bible says, for God so loved the world. You know, the devil always brings this picture that the father is so harsh, but the son is so loving and so good. How many have grown with that understanding? That you know what, the God of the Old Testament it was a very difficult God. But when it comes to the New Testament, the, come, the Son comes with softness, with gentleness, with love and everything. But John 3.16 says, no, the Father loves the world so much. So it's the love of the Father that is manifested through the Son. Let's read. I want us to reflect from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10. Now, when you look, look at that context, let me put context first so that we can appreciate and understand. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, the first 10 verses, he gives us an understanding or he reveals certain things that we don't really get to find in the Bible. So he gives us the information that happened between Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Revelation 12 then says, Then there was war in heaven. And we know what happened. Lucifer or Satan and his angels, they were kicked out of heaven. Then Genesis chapter 1, it gives us an indication of our origins, where we come from, the creation. But in between Revelation chapter 7, I mean Revelation chapter 12 and Genesis Chapter 1, there's a lot of things that happened that sometimes we don't have time to reflect on. And that's where I want to spend most of our time this morning reflecting. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 3. My Bible says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. So Paul is addressing the church at Ephesus and he's saying glory should actually go to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is through him that we are getting all the blessings through the Son. As you read the following verses, you will get to understand the blessings that Paul is referring to. Now listen to what he says in verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him. So the father 
has chosen you and me through Jesus Christ. Now notice what Paul says, before the foundation of the world. The Father, he chose us in Christ. When, church? Speak to me. When did the Father choose you and me? Before the foundation of the earth. Now, when you read the Bible, it gives us an indication that when war happened in heaven, the Father and the Son, they had this plan to create a very different being called a human being. Now, the human being in all God's creation, he is the last born of God's creation. Now, according to the plan of God, when Lucifer rebelled with his angels, the, the son and the father, they went into a council. They sat down to discuss the way forward. So the way forward was to create this unique being called the human being. For what reason? Because the father wanted this being to house his glory. So you and I, weak as we are, we are created to house the glory of God. I want you to notice what happens. So the father and the son, they are discussing, look here, the angel has fallen. What are we going to do if this creature that we are going to create is going to follow suit? So there was a meeting between the father and the son. In the mind of the father and the son, they wanted to create human beings. And the first human being to be created was going to be Adam and Eve. So the minutes of heaven, they had the record of the plan of God. And I want you to notice what the Bible actually gives us here. When the father and the son are discussing this plan, there was a risk that men might also follow in the footsteps of the angels that have fallen. So the discussion is going on. How are we going to manage if man is going to follow in the footsteps of the angels? Notice, Paul is saying, before the foundation of the earth. I want us to quickly unpack that. Maybe you can follow with me. I want us to read what happened before the foundation of the earth. Quickly turn with me to the book of First Peter Chapter 18, verse 20. When you read the Bible, there are three times in the Bible where the Bible gives us what happened before the foundation of the earth. Point number one I want to reflect on is this. Many of us will see Jesus from Christmas. Hello? But Paul is saying, before Mary was, Christ existed. Before creation was, the Father and the Son, they already existed before the foundation. Now, let's read First Peter chapter, uh, first, chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. It's saying here, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamp without blemish and without spot. Verse 20, that's where I want to draw your attention. Peter writes and then he says, Indeed, Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. When was Christ ordained? 
Speak to me, church. Christ was ordained before the foundation of the earth. Is it? So when you talk about the foundation, we are saying before you even lay the first brick, before you even lay anything, you start with a plan. Now the Bible is giving a dimension and saying, before Genesis chapter 1, there was a discussion, the father and the son, and the son was ordained before the foundation of the world. The, the, the word ordain simply means to set aside. Does it make sense? What was the son set aside for? Let's quickly read Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. We're just trying to lay a foundation so that we can understand where I want us to go this morning. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it goes on to say, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. When was the lamb slain, according to, to Revelation? Speak to me. So the lamb was the slain before the foundation of the earth, isn't it? I always ask this question and say, when was Jesus crucified? When was Jesus crucified? The Bible is saying the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Isn't it? So when was Jesus crucified? On earth or outside of earth? Because before the foundation, it simply means the earth at that point did not exist. Hello? Then the Bible is telling us that he was slain before the foundation was even laid. How do we join the dots? If you are to be asked, when was Jesus slain? Because according to Revelation, it's saying before the foundation. But we know he was slain some 2,000 years back. How do we reconcile the two? Does it make sense? Let's find out what the Bible says. Keep your fingers in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. That's where we're going to study. So Paul is saying, the Father, he chose us in him before the foundation. So three things happened. The first one, before the foundation, God had the plan to create many kinds. A unique being from all other creatures. But there was a huge risk that this creature might also follow the example of the fallen angels. There's a risk. So the father and the son are having a conversation. You know, when you are in business and there's a to mitigate the risk, isn't it? So the father and the son, they are discussing. So who are we going to create? We are going to create Adam and Eve first. And after Adam and Eve, who's going to come? The list was compiled of all the people that were going to populate the earth. Did you know that in that list, anyone who was coming as a seed of Abraham, no matter what age, their names were written on that list. What I'm simply trying to say is, Jesus saw you and me before the foundation of the earth was even laid. In the book, all the names of the sons and daughters of Adam, they were listed in the book and all the names, they were before the father and the son. 
We are going to create a matake. He's going to come some years later. And God in his wisdom, he said, this young man, I want him to be born of Nelson and Lillian. When he's born of Nelson and Lillian, I've got a plan for him. That's why Jeremiah 1 verse 5, it says, I knew you, Jeremiah, before I formed you. Because in the records of heaven, I knew when to put you on earth and I knew your assignment. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, all of us who are here today, God knew you before the foundation of the earth. You are not a mistake, my brother. You are not a mistake, my sister. No matter how you came here, but you are not a mistake. The Father saw you and he let it be. No matter where you come from. My Bible tells me, ah, let's read, man. I want us to quickly look at Acts 17 verse 26. Listen to what Acts says here. It says here, and God, he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Listen to the last part. And he determined the pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So God knew that, you know what, this location, I will call it South Africa. And I want James, and I want the Jones, the Smith, the Van Ward to come and occupy this space. God knew that this place, I will call it Malawi, and I want this and that and that to occupy this place. The Bible says way before the foundation of the earth was laid. So God saw you, and God saw me. This is what happened. The father and the son, they finished, compiled the list. And there's a risk that men might also follow in the footsteps of the fallen angels. And then the son said something so profound. As they were looking and discussing into this project, the risk is so huge, but the risk is not so huge compared to the love of God toward this man. The love of God was so huge that he could not stop because of the risk. I always ask and say to a woman, if you go for a scan and you're pregnant, and the scan reveals that this unborn child is going to be completely paralyzed before birth, are you listening very carefully? Before, the doctors, they reveal that, you know what? This is the condition of the child. This child will not speak. This child will not eat. He will need somebody always to help him. What do you think the woman will say? Or the family, the husband and the wife? What, would you, what do you think would be their, their suggestion? Because there are two options. The doctor might say, we can go for abortion at this stage. Or we can leave the child to come and you experience these challenges. What do you think the woman would say? Speak to me. Let's proceed. The father and the son, they looked into this and they saw that if we continue with mankind, man is going to rebel. When a man rebels, there will be chaos on earth. There will be robberies on earth. There will be all kinds of evils on earth. The risk was too much. But it was not so much compared to the love of the father. 
That's why Jesus says, for God so loved the world. In that meeting, the son came up and said, Father, I am going to take full responsibility for the creation of mankind. Whatever happens to men, it's on my account. Are you listening to me, church? At that point in time, Jesus, he signed his life off before you and me were created. Now, the Bible says the son was slain before the foundation. I always say, when you go and buy a property through a bank, or you buy a car through a bank, the bank will ask you, they'll do the credit checks, isn't it? Do you qualify? Yes, you qualify. They do all these things. At the end of the day, they say, you know what? You qualify, you can definitely get this car. Immediately what happens? You sign the contract. When you sign the contract, the dealer, I've seen a lot of people, they do that. After they've signed the contract, they go and shake hands with the dealer and a photo is taken. Hello? At that moment, the car is yours. But you're still here to pay maybe for the next five years. Isn't it? The question is, if someone is to ask you, when did you buy the car? Five years later, when you paid the last installment or when you signed the papers? When did you buy the car? Speak to me. According to the law of this country, the day you sign the papers, that property belongs to you. The day you put your signature, that property belongs to you. If you buy a property, the next two, three months, the statements will come in your name. If you think of making renovations, you can still go ahead with the renovations. The day that Jesus signed his death before the foundation, the Bible said he was slain. Does it make sense? The day that he agreed that you and me must go ahead, that day he signed his life off, the father concluded that because he is sure and true, it is, it's as good as if he died the day that he signed. On the cross, he was simply paying the debt that he acquired. How many years ago? Speak to me, church. Before the foundation of the earth. Do you know why it went like that? The father and the son had two options. Either not to proceed with you and me because the risk is too much. But because God loved men so much, he could not stop there. The son offered his life immediately so that you and me can be where we are today. That's why when you read Acts 17 verse 28, Paul then goes on to say, in him we live and move and we have our being. Do you know what it means? You and I will live on the account of Jesus Christ. Whatever you have, it is the responsibility of Jesus. Jesus is answerable for whatever benefits, for whatever happens to us, Christ is answerable. For the children that you have, Christ is answerable. For the job that you have, even if you mess up, Christ is answerable. For in him, we move and we live. I always say to my, I was, I was, I was talking to my wife and say, you know what? We don't understand what it means. God saw that this man is going to be cruel, but his grace say, you know what? Continue with him. Some of us, 
If it was me, I would say, you know what? We don't need a Brighton Matag because he's going to be a robber in the world. Are you listening very carefully? But grace said what? No! Grace is also sufficient for him. Some of us, we have things that we don't deserve. Hello? Some of us, we have things that we don't deserve. But because God, out of his love, he said, you know what? Let him have it. Because grace is also sufficient for him. Let's continue reading as we analyze Ephesians. As a reflection, quickly. Number one, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 is saying here, God loved human beings so much. He wanted them to be, to, he wanted them to have his glory. He also knew you and I before we were created. We are not a mistake. Christ, before we were created, he was set aside. Set aside to do what? Set aside to die before the creation of mankind. Number four, Christ took full responsibility for the creation of men. When I talk of full responsibility, I'm simply saying the believer and the non-believer, they all exist on the account of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? The believer and the non-believer, we all survive and live on the account of Jesus Christ. Number five, many kind because of Christ. Why were we chosen? Let's continue reading. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Paul says here, God chose us before so that we may be holy and what? Blameless. The reason why we are here, the reason why God allowed us, it is because he wanted us to be holy and to be blameless. I say this morning to you, church, whatever you have, what is God expecting? Holiness and a blameless life. Are you listening very carefully? Young people, I'm saying to you, you might be going to university. Going to university is not a ticket to live anyhow, but God is expecting you to be holy and what? Are you listening very carefully? I'm saying to the married, God has given you the privilege of marriage. For what reason? To be and what? In other words, whatever we have is an incubator for holiness. Hello? Whatever you have is an incubator for holiness. God allowed it to happen to you so that you can grow towards holiness. God allowed some of you to be richer than the other. Why? So that you can grow in holiness and blameless. And the question I want to raise is, are you doing your best in your position? Because the Bible is saying we are here for holiness and to live a blameless life. That's why God has chosen us. And that's why Jesus was given to us. So that we can live holy and blameless. Let's continue reading. My time is very short and limited. I'm going to skip some of the stuff here. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, it then speaks of predestination. A lot of people, they get confused with predestination. Predestination is to determine the destination or the outcome before time. How do we explain predestination in the context of God and humanity? The predestination in Ephesians, Paul is saying, God saw the direction of mankind. 
But he wanted men to be holy and blameless. In whatever situation and condition, God wanted men to be holy and blameless. So what did God do? He then gave us Jesus Christ so that at whatever cost, we will reach the destination of holiness and blameless. So the predestination in the context, it's speaking to the holiness and the blameless state that God expects of each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. Let's continue reading. My time is very, very much limited. Then Paul talks of adoption in the same verse. He then goes on to say, when Christ was given, he was given so that we can be adopted into sonhood. What does it mean to adopt someone? You adopt a child that does not belong to you, doesn't it? When you adopt, you are taking rights and responsibility for a child that does not belong to you. He's not your biological child. You don't have a right over that child. But God, through Jesus, he knew that mankind is going to rebel. And Christ was there so that when we accept the offering of Christ, we are accepted again into the adoption of children through Jesus Christ. That's why John 1.12 says, those who accepted Christ, God gave them power to be called the sons. Of who? Of God. In other words, when we are separated from God, we are no longer children of God. We are enemies with God. When we are not in Christ, we are enemies. The only way to come back home is through adoption. And how are we adopted? When we accept Christ as a savior, we are then adopted again into the fold as children of God. Those who refuse adoption will remain enemies of God. What I'm sharing to, with you this morning, church, I want you to understand the time when this was decided before the foundation, Sister Lisa. Before we existed, God put in place so that at whatever cost, we must be holy and blameless. Let's continue reading. What is the purpose? Now, Paul then speaks of this happened through the grace of God. What is the purpose? How? What is the purpose of God's grace? Titus 2 verse 11, it says here, when men rebelled, the only way to bring him back, it is through the grace of God. So what is the purpose of grace? Titus then says here, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace appeared to how many? Because of predestination. God wants you to be holy and blameless in his presence. So grace appeared to how many? Grace appeared to all men. For what reason? Then the Bible saying, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, where? In the present age. So what is the purpose of grace? Grace is there to restore us back to holiness and a blameless life. Hello? Many times I've hear, heard people say, we live under grace. We do as we please. But Titus is saying, no. Grace is not a ticket to break God's commandment. But it is an opportunity to live soberly, godly, righteously, not in heaven, in this present age. What I'm trying to share with you, church, is God is expecting us to be holy, not when he comes, but now. 
How? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Then the question is, how is grace applied? My time is very limited. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 to 8. What does the Paul say? He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in wisdom and prudence. How is the grace of God applied? Wisdom. And what? It's a lesson. Let's talk. Grace is applied to us how? In wisdom and in what? Prudence. What does it mean to say grace is being applied in wisdom and prudence? In the morning we were studying about the crucibles, isn't it? In the morning we learned that God allows situations to happen. Not to crush us, but to purify us. When we go through situations, we go in, not alone, but we go with him. His grace is applied in daily lives. My sister, she's a baker. She loves baking, and she does good baking. When she is baking muffins, I have seen her carefully mixing ingredients. Mixing ingredients very carefully. And at the same time when she's done mixing, she puts the dough, whatever, in the, the, in, the, in, the, in the trays. When she does that, she then puts that in the oven. And she carefully watches the time and the temperature to make sure that these muffins, they don't exceed a certain level. They maintain a certain level. After a while, she then comes and adjusts again the heat. Sometimes she lowers it down. She's applying prudence. She knows that if I exceed certain degrees and certain times, these muffins will burn. Now, Paul is saying, when God is applying grace on this time of the earth, he is applying grace to us in wisdom and in what? Prudence. In other words, he knows how much I can bear. In as much as he wants me to have a polished character, he, does, he just doesn't throw me in the deep end. He knows my capabilities. So he exercises prudence. And I'm saying to you, church, whatever you're going through, God is managing the temperature in wisdom and in prudence. Some of you, you are very broke, very broke. He knows he's managing the knob. Are you getting the idea? In your brokenness, he is managing the temperature. He knows how much you can bear. Some of you, you are sick. It's God's grace. He is managing the knob. He knows how much you can bear so that you cannot burst but get out of it pure and holy and blameless. This is what I get when I read Ephesians chapter 1. So Paul is taking us from eternity past to eternity future. And the experience we are going to have here on earth, grace is applied. You might be working in a difficult environment. The boss is difficult. God knows how difficult is he, and he knows how much you can carry. He is controlling the temperature. So that at the end of the process, you must come to holiness and a blameless life. Your marriage might be going through some difficult times. God is holding the knob. He knows how much you can bear. He is saying, I know and I'm watching. Grace is being applied in wisdom and in prudence. That's why we don't all have the same challenges in life. Hello? Hello? Some of you are struggling with children, isn't it? 
Some, they don't have problem with children. Some, they have problems with other things. What I'm simply saying to you as a son of God who has been adopted, whatever experience you're going through, the father is saying, I am holding grace and applying it, knowing your capabilities. If I wear your shoes, Brother Carlos, probably I will reject God. But he knows how much you can bear. And he gives you that size. If you are to wear my shoes, some of you, you can go back. But because of grace, he knows what size I must wear. And God gives me that size in prudence and in wisdom. So that I remain here at the pulpit. I love verse 10 of the same chapter. For what purpose? Let's wrap up. What is God's desire? Verse 10, he says now, so that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one place all things in, earth, in heaven and on earth under one roof. Hello? For the sake of time, man, I don't have time. I'm, I'm very cautious about time. My profession, I'm an external auditor. So we, I'm no longer in that space. So we build time. We charge time. Hello? That's what we do, we charge time. So I'm very particular about time. <laughs> I've got so much to share, but time doesn't allow me to. I'm trying to be as brief. But I wanted to get to what Paul is saying in Ephesians. Paul is saying, listen very carefully. The intention of God from the beginning is to create human beings that are holy and blameless. But he knows that even though I've created them holy and blameless, even though this son and child is coming from a, a, a Christian background, when he goes outside, he's going to rebel. But what does he do? He provides a provision so that this son is not lost forever. When the son comes to his senses, the father is saying, there is an option for you, son, to come back home. Now, the Bible is teaching us that when Christ, before the foundation, he laid his life so that when we live on this earth, going through the crucibles of life, being purified, managing the temperature, managing the conditions, he will do it in wisdom so that by the end of the day, the character is polished. This then then comes so that at the end of the day, God will gather all in one place who have got the character that is holy and blameless through Jesus Christ. Does it make sense, church? Paul is saying, not everyone will be in that group until and unless they qualify, according to verse 4, to be holy and to be blameless. Then Titus says, you can only attain that status through grace. But what is the reason of grace? To teach us to deny the world, to deny lust, to deny all these things. But grace is not going to come easily. You are going through experiences, crucibles, not to destroy you, but to polish you. But how is God doing that? In wisdom and prudence. So that by the end of the day, the character is polished. When the trumpet shall sound, Christ will gather those on earth and those in heaven under one roof. Who I? Only those who are holy and blameless. 
and that's eternity future. So when I look at Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is taking us from eternity past, our experience on this earth, and then he takes us to eternity future. But the call this morning is, God is not expecting us to be holy in heaven. He is expecting us to acquire that status here in Belleville. Here in Belleville, in that difficult marriage, he's expecting you to acquire holiness and a blameless life. In your singleness, God is expecting you to acquire holy and blameless life. In your poverty, God is expecting you to acquire holy and what? In your wealthy, God is expecting you to acquire holiness and what? Blameless so that you can qualify to be in the group. But how is that possible? Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has paid it all. I don't know what you are going through this morning, but when I read this and I understood, there are certain things that God gave me, Sister Lisa, that I didn't deserve. Hello? But he said, son, my grace is sufficient for you. There are things that we have in life that we don't deserve. But his grace is sufficient for us. He gave us. In the first place, Richard, you and I were not meant to be created. But it is love that says, no, I will go ahead with this project. No matter how risk, I am loving this man. So God loved you, my sister. God loved you, my brother. Despite your situations, despite where you're coming from, God saw you way back. You are not a mistake. Christ signed his life for you. And that tells me how we should treat one another. That tells you and me how we should treat each other in our differences. Because God loved all of us. You know, Ellen White, she goes an extra mile and she says, Christ was prepared to come and die even for one, only one of the sons of Adam. Out of this register, if 20 million years later, one was to rebel, when Christ gave his life, he was going to die for that one. If I was going to rebel and all of you were holy, Christ was prepared to come and die only for me. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. As I close, let me tell you, church, God has done everything for you and I to be saved. Hello? God has done everything for our salvation. If we are to lose salvation, it's a matter of choice. There is no excuse if we are to lose salvation, we are making our own choices. We are refusing to be adopted. Because God has done everything so that we may be saved. God has provided grace. God has provided his son so that you and I, we must be found in verse number 10 when God is going to put together those in heaven and those on earth under one roof. Let's stand up in church and pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. First and foremost, we thank you for the beautiful Sabbath. We thank you for the beautiful rains that are pouring outside. It proves that you are still in control. We thank you for the message that you have given from Sabbath school to this time. That whatever we go through in life to come and die for us. For giving us the freedom to choose you in him. Your desire is all of us to be holy and to live without blame. Not in heaven, but here in this church. Father, may you help us. You know our challenges and our weaknesses. We pray and ask, Father, that as we are going to depart from this place into different directions, give us the power to live under your grace, to deny world lust, to deny the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, which is the center of every sin. Give us victory, Father, over sin, so that when you shall come to gather those on earth and those in heaven, we may be found together in one group. This is our desire and our prayer. This morning in Christ we pray and thank you. Amen.